Welcome, one and all, to the uh, Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm just, uh, I'm kind of distracted because I'm looking at my uh, my voice being modulated over there, and my welcome uh, is in the shape <laughs> of a dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you're, I you're a grower, not a shower, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's getting shorter by the minute, Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, what if I'm neither? <laughs> I think you need to seek medical assistance. <laughs> the only one not laughing is my wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> knows it's true. <laughs> I mean, now she's not, but. This is why I drink. Oh. oh, and you drink a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, if you are just joining us for the first time, I am uh, Patsy the Angry Nerd, and now you know why I'm so angry. And uh, we are here broadcasting live on tape at Castle <laughs> Wolfenstein. And uh, I am joined, of course, by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life, the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, Ashes von Nightmare. Everything looks bigger when you're drunk. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> Why Just do you saying. think you get all <laughs> Yep. And uh, we are, of course, joined by the... Man. Objects in mirror may be smaller <laughs> than they appear. <laughs> That's why we took the mirrors off the ceiling. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we're joined, of course, by the hardest working man in podcasting, the man with the velvet voice, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. Uh, there isn't enough iced tea to uh, <laughs> to make me handle, <laughs> be able to handle this today. Uh, you know, maybe if you... If you maybe I should start drinking. Ashes, can you give me some, some tips? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all Patsy can give, apparently. <laughs> if that. <laughs> On a good wow. day. Wow. <laughs> How long does this take? Uh, two and a half minutes? Yep. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. <laughs> that's two how long Patsy takes. I was going to say, oh, two and yeah. a half. What do I do with the other two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. Self-deprecating humor <laughs> at its finest. It's funny till it's not. Yeah. Combined with dick jokes. I mean, this really <laughs> is the show that has everything. Yeah. And uh, that that lovely voice you just heard was, of course, our good friend uh, from the Best Darn Diddly podcast, uh, Mr. Most Days Off. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Miles. Hey, I'm really glad to be back on the Throwdown Thursday podcast. This time to talk about a whole new show, but it's going to be a, a good time because you all are very fine people, and I couldn't be more thrilled to spend a Tuesday night chatting with you. Oh, I appreciate that, and uh, you know we're glad to have you here. Um, we were sorry to miss you out on our uh, disenchantment episode, but we did have uh, your better half, your uh, <laughs> your co-host. Uh, Richie the Whiz Kid, he joined us to talk about Princess Tiabini, but uh, now we've got you, and uh, you know, some folks might might uh, might wonder, you know, can one coexist without the other, you know, or are they like a Q without a U? And hmm. I think you guys do just fine, uh, both separately and as a team. Well, the trick is that you've never actually seen us in the same place at the same time, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I've actually never seen you. I've only, you know, uh, 
talked with you over uh, Skype. Like, as far as I know, you're like an, an advanced AI. You know, I am. I, I'm very slowly through Twitter, just becoming more and more of a Nazi every day. It's uh, just it just happens. I can't help it. Yeah, because I did not see that coming. <laughs> that was a terrible joke. I feel bad for making it. But I was just <laughs> Any joke that has Nazi in it is just probably... <laughs> yeah, but like, that's a joke you could make a few years ago before there were actually Nazis back in the world. Like right. I, I'm from that gap in between where like the Nazis were gone, so like it was funny. Uh, that's what I want to see when people say make America great again. What I think we need to do is like let's make America Nazi free again. How's that for a slogan? Agreed. That would yeah. be pretty great. It doesn't fit as well on a hat. <laughs> no, no, we'll have to. But you know what? We could do a great business in like double XL and upsized T-shirts. Ooh, yeah. Put it on. You could put that whole slogan on a belt like three or four times. <laughs> yeah, just wrap it around. <laughs> you get you get ready for summer season by like I took off a whole syllable. <laughs> Instead of notches on the belt, you're like I'm down two words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but then oh, that you don't want to be down two words on that because then it would just be make America Nazi. <laughs> Hey, way to make a Nazi joke that was funny. I've been proven wrong already. <laughs> oh, Christ. No, you guys is... might want to just end the episode right there. <laughs> this is, you really spanned the, the whole spectrum here. Yeah, we went from dicks to Nazis. So uh, I mean... No, let's see how we can fuck this up over the course of an hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. We still got plenty of time. So um, like, uh, like Miles said, we're going to be discussing another animated family. And uh, this time... It's one that we touched upon briefly uh, a while back, but this time we're actually going to focus on it uh, this week and next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Netflix exclusive F is for Family and the characters thereupon because um, it's a show that, you know, I, I talk to a bunch of people and half of them are like, oh, I love that show. It's so great. And the other half are like, uh, what is that? So, <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. If you are unfamiliar with F is for Family, like I said, it's a Netflix exclusive. It's an animated show uh, loosely based on the life of Bill Burr, from what I understand. Uh, Bill Burr actually plays the patriarch of the family. His, uh, his lovely wife is played by the very talented Laura Dern. Uh, his, his oldest son is Justin Long. And their amazing, uh, amazing neighbor, who might be my favorite character, yeah, for sure, is uh, Sam Rockwell. So you got a bunch of uh, Oscar winners on this show, and uh, it's an incredible cast. It, I mean, you've got you mentioned Oscar winners. You got now a Star Wars alum. I mm-hmm. mean, there there is a very deep amount of talent in this in this cast of characters. Uh, Hell, in the podcasting world, Bill Burr has an excellent podcast, if you've never heard it. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, half the time, it's just his wife busting his balls, and that's great, too. Um, hey, you might actually know something about that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, if you've listened to the first five minutes of the show, you might have heard something. <laughs> but uh, I will just say... Just a little something. I will, yeah, just a little. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and and I will say this little uh, little trivia qu- uh, fact for uh, those of you out there. Uh, 
Laura Dern, aside from being on this show and being a Star Wars alum, is in one of two Rocky movies not to feature Sylvester Stallone. Did you know that? Wait, one of two Rocky movies not to feature Sylvester Stallone. Correct. Uh, the first one would be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ah, you tricky bastard. And the second uh, being Mask with Eric Stoltz's Rocky Dennis. Damn. Laura Dern played his blind girlfriend. I bet you were really, really popular in high school. Uh, about <laughs> as popular as I am now. He has lots oh, of that, that's that's false. Uh, we all love you, Patsy. Patty you know, cakes. That's true. I was waiting for that to come out. Uh, Miles actually sent me some uh, Best Darn Diddly stickers a while back, and it was addressed to Patty Cake, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I still have the envelope, so... Uh, uh-huh. That's awesome. Yeah, I got that. That's because we're hoarders. We don't throw anything away. Well, also because, you know, it's got the, the, it was sealed with the, uh, the lipstick kiss on the back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't want to get rid of that. What shade was I wearing that day? I don't remember. Oh, I believe it was, uh, whore's blood, I believe is the (laughs) uh, name of the the shade. That sounds right. From the, uh, the, uh, macabre slut collection. I don't know if that's a thing. That might be a thing. I'm positive that's a thing. What do you think Mac stands for? Mac Ooh. macabre slut. Yeah. Oh, it's just short. It does now. Oh, that's that's a weird way to to abbreviate something. Well, Almost... it's a little more PC just to call it Mac. Oh. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're hip, you'll know what they mean. Oh, well, I'm not. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Miles, I used to be with it. Then they changed what it was, and what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. <laughs> and it'll happen to you! <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, before we get into like the real meat of this topic, uh, being you know the F is for family characters, um, what I want to know is, I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of the animated character, the animated family, like the sitcom family. Because Ashes and I were talking about this earlier today. And originally we were going to go with, you know, who's your favorite animated family? But, you know, I think Miles and I are going to have the same answer on that one. I feel like there's a very solid chance that we're both (laughs) going to pick the Griffins from Family Guy. That's right. (laughs) Um, yeah i think that uh i think you might say we'd both pick the simpsons i think a lot of people would um but i might be biased yeah a little bit you're the most darn diddly biased (laughs) um so what i thought we'd do instead is talk a little bit about the evolution of the uh animated sitcom family because you know if you think about it the the first the earliest one that i can think of um you know, of course, you got to go back to Hanna Barbera and the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say as well. Yeah, and the Flintstones are clearly nothing more than a caveman version of the Honeymooners. You know? Yeah, I mean, they're a I mean direct correlation between the the characters. You're absolutely right. They just did it in an animated form and with a fun twist, and almost immediately, I mean, you can see that that's going to start having. Um, you know, the Jetsons, for instance, which were obviously derivative of them, just flipped into the other direction, things of that nature. But I think it's always fascinating when we talk about the Flintstones. One of the the things that always jumps out in my mind is that was only less than 100 years ago, yet 
those characters were featured in cigarette commercials. Like, not just that they would smoke in their show, but, like, actually the character Fred and Barney would, like, show up and be like, hey, buy these delicious cigarettes. And they didn't say kids, but you felt like the kids was implied. Yeah, I mean, you don't get animated characters. I mean, you do now, but, you know, 70 years ago, you wouldn't aim a, you know, an animated uh, character at an adult. I mean, now, you know, as we're, we're talking about the evolution of animation, you know, there are specific, and I'm not just talking about the hentai, uh, which, <laughs> which is, which is all of our favorites. Yeah. And it is art. Um, no, it's, you know, these things like, you know, why do you think Joe Camel is a thing? You know, more kids, you know, back when I was growing up, there was all this anti-smoking stuff and, more, I don't know if it was a real statistic or not, but people said that more children could identify Joe Camel than Mickey Mouse. And <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that. I mean, like, I don't know any of my friends clamoring to go to Camel Land or Camel World. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. that might have been a little bit of an exaggeration. But, you know, again, it's uh, an anthropomorphic animal designed to attract the attention of kids. And. You know, you saw that a lot with, you know, Disney had much more wholesome animation, but they didn't really have, like, animated families in a sitcom setting. Mm-hmm. Like, everything right. was fairy tale. So when you start getting into, like, the, the animated families, you know, you have the Flintstones, which then went into the Jetsons. And, you know, you can see a lot of the the influence of the popular TV at the time. Sure. Well, I mean, if we want to jump forward all the way to the 90s and talk about what we really want to talk about and the Simpsons and like Bart Mania, I mean, there is a while there in the 90s where not just marketing, but I mean, hell, the Simpsons were literally plastered on everything. I mean, they were selling you Butterfinger BBs. They were plastered on lunch boxes. Uh, they were in various promotion of giveaways. And I mean, a lot of that just shows the the grasp that the cartoon world can kind of have on the whole family, because if you aim a cartoon at adults, then it's automatically going to pick up viewership in a younger audience because it's animated, and some kids are just going to be drawn to that. Uh, adults will be, you know, more attracted to plot. Expect, you know, take it another step forward and look at Rick and Morty, which is very clearly aimed at adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still, I imagine that most elementary school students, if you were to ask, they're going to be able to recognize, oh, that's Mr. Poopy Butthole or whatever the character might be from the show. Right. I mean, you're not – there are uh, there are subtle jokes that you can get from, say, you know, uh, you know, like the Simpsons would give you like subtler adult humor, especially back when they started. Sure. And then now there's just the blatant in your face Rick and Morty, you know, dick and fart jokes. <laughs> I mean, which you also but get then juxtaposed with really, really smart humor because I mean, like compared to Family Guy, I would agree. Maybe Rick and Morty and Family Guy might go to the same well of like poop and fart jokes, but Family Guy never really takes it out of another gear, in my opinion. I'm not. Tra- this is not me trashing Family Guy. I watch Family Guy occasionally. I can see the appeal, but it's not a sit down and think about why it's funny type of show. Versus Rick and Morty, I think, or even the, the Simpsons as well. 
uh, a lot of times you gain so much more from the rewatch because the writing of the show is so intelligent. They have their silly joke moments, but uh, they kick it into another gear and make the characters connect in a more real way that I think wasn't necessarily possible uh, early on in the world of animation. But as we get more and more advanced technology, it's easier to make these characters really fully connect with an audience of all ages, not just the kids like cartoons used to. Right, and I think it also has something to do when you think about, you know, the setting for the show. I mean, you know, Rick and Morty is set as a, you know, not quite futuristic, but, you know, uh, it's a sci-fi show. Whereas sure, for sure. The Simpsons and, and uh, you know, Futurama is more of a sci-fi show. Futurama, you would get some of that... Uh, you know, there's a lot of math and science jokes in that, um, but they don't go to the like toilet humor as much as uh, right because the character is a little more wholesome because it is you know a, a Matt Groening show. But when you look at something like uh, when you compare that science fiction show because it's being made today, and you compare that with the Jetsons. You know what year the Jetsons was set set in? 2002, if I recall correctly. I think they did a pretty good job. That's pretty much exactly how I remember the uh, early aughts. Yeah, I mean, 17-hour work weeks. <laughs> I have to push a button three on and off eight times, like, and that's the extent of my day. My robot, uh, my, hey. my robot cleans everything for me. And to this day, Mr. Cogsworth is still an asshole for a boss. It, honestly, he just oh, no, he never... Is. He he never shuts up. It's always with the screaming. Uh, really, it you, you would think the guy would be a little bit more woke at this point too. Some of the the slurs he he spouts out is just inappropriate. Yeah, it, it, I mean, but that's just how that was. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> again, 1962 is when this show came out, and it's one of those like this is what we think the future is, as you know, and. At that time, you know, the 50s and 60s was this big sci-fi renaissance where everybody was imagining what the, the future would hold because it was less than 50 years until, you know, the the, two, the year 2000 came up. So there was a lot of, you know, you know, the 2001, a space odyssey. Everyone was imagining what things were going to be because technology had advanced so much in the previous 50 years. They think, you know, you go from, you know, you know, World War One at the beginning of the century to, you know, we have color TV now. We have you know, <gasps> all this stuff. Speaking of Ethis or Family, that's a big focal point in one of the early episodes of uh, of that show, actually. Sorry, I just, uh, you know, no, 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 yeah, quick connection. They're $700 TV. Yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, just kind of that re reminds me uh, a little bit. Sorry, the uh, not the color TV thing specifically, but the uh, just the whole concept of the Jetsons in general being set like 50 years in the future. And it's just funny to think like, did they even have a clue that they would ever even you know be being talked about, let alone the world still being there uh, in that time period. Well, what I was going to say is there's a lot of that type of, um, you know, prognosticating by, you know, TV and movies at that time. Like, this is what the future is going to be like. I was just say we're also straying away from the idea of a nuclear family. 
No, the Jetsons were a nuclear family. No, no well, well, yeah, but that was that was in it's, 1962. It's nuclear. It's pronounced um, nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> I'm saying, though, like more recent stuff coming out, like Rick and Morty, it focuses on a grandfather and his grandson. Mm-hmm. The mother and father and even the sister are just kind of like bit players sometimes. Yeah, you know? it's, they're um, all there, but it's right. Look they're at not a, the focal look at point. American Dad. You have the mother, the father, the daughter, the son, and an alien. Yep. And a goldfish. And a goldfish, oh, yeah. yeah. With, <laughs> the body, with the body of a German Olympic athlete. I mean, the you know, brain. And you can even argue that Futurama is kind of like an animated family sitcom in the sense that they- More of a pre- work family than like an actual family, well, but right. I think- But it's a yeah. family that they've created for, you know, with each other. Sure. Because if you think about it, Leela doesn't really have any family. Mm-hmm. You know, Fry doesn't Fry, have any family yeah, outside obviously. of, you know. But they all fit into the the roles set forth by these original, like Farnsworth is the uh, <clears throat> the absentee father, you know, like a Homer Simpson or like a Peter Griffin. And you know, also a little bit of an Abe Simpson type, just like quack, uh, quack ball character as well. Yeah, like, you know, he's... He's kind of a, a, you know, he's out of his mind, but he also represents, you know, the patriarchy of the family. And then Leela is the overbearing mother, you know. Yeah. And then so you have these characters like they're analogs to other other characters that we see throughout. And like that, I think that's why it works so well in that episode where they kind of parody married with children. And I mean, obviously it's the same actress, but Mm -hmm. she just kind of segues into the Peggy character and it completely works. It doesn't take you out of the Futurama universe, even a little bit. Right. Yeah. Cause, because she's playing a similar type of character. Right. And that's the thing with these animated shows is, you know, they, now we'll show you things that you would never, ever see before. Before it was, I mean, to look at Simps, um, the Flintstones and the Jetsons, even the family dynamic is almost set up exactly the same. The only difference is there are two kids in uh, the Jetsons as opposed to the Flintstones, but you could argue that Bam Bam, Bam, Bam. that second, that secondary role. Right, because like the next door neighbors with the age old kid, it almost has like an aunt and uncle feeling by modern standards. I think it was maybe from back in the good old days when people were a little bit more neighborly or something. But uh, in this case, it still has a very family like feel to it because of the closeness of the Flintstones and the Rubbles. And you're also starting to see that these animated series are starting to touch upon topics that older series never would have touched upon like f is for family for example the whole episode regarding statutory rape yeah <laughs> you know that's kind of like, a heavy issue no it is it is and they they you know write about it in such a way that it seems really lighthearted to begin with but you know as you continue to watch it you're like holy crap like this is some pretty heavy heavy stuff but they're able to touch upon it and talk about it in a real way. And I think the other thing that these shows are doing now is is like, okay, we're setting our show in this time period. And part of the shock value that you're going to see from this is us just showing you what life was like at that point. So this is, you know, 1973. So this is 45 years ago. Right. And you're and, seeing like the, the um I don't mean to cut you off, Miles, but the No uh, no 
the commercials for Mohican Airlines, like just that, you would not see today because people understand like this is racially insensitive. Sure. So I mean that's that's just part of it. But back then, like this was on every channel. Like this is just you know I say every channel, like both channels. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but in color. Uh, that's that's yeah. true too. Yeah, and you're you're totally right, and I think it's very contradictory of our 2018 more PC sensitive culture. And where on that line is the right place is up for debate, and I don't think we're here to try to discuss that. But at the no. same time, what you can definitely see is that in the 1970s, where this show is set. They are treating it with the writing, and I know that we've both had the pleasure of talking with the writer Michael Price, who also wrote for The Simpsons and you know lived through the seventies. Uh, so he has you know first person perspective, as do a lot of the writing staff. And it's kind of interesting because when they write it from that perspective, and somebody does say something that by twenty eighteen standards would be ridiculously unsensitive but in the 1970s it was just part of the culture so the characters don't react as if it were today they react in time well even just the way like you know we see some of the um the interactions in uh, a couple of the earlier episodes with uh, with frank driving to the uh driving with bobby to the um the football game and they're you know they see the the guy who's broken down, the the black guy asking for help, and he's like, roll up your windows, lock your doors, you know, just yeah, yeah. don't make eye contact. And it's like, yeah, there are still people like that today, but you wouldn't have a reporter going out in blackface trying to prove a point. No. Well, actually, one reporter recently, but that was a whole different thing. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> she I think doesn't that, have a job anymore. She doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> But yeah, that same episode, I believe, or one that's real close to it, is where Frank actually goes to like a predominantly black bar in that same neighborhood, and yeah, I, it was that's the actually same one. a really interesting episode. And it, it's fun because they actually treat it with a sense of realness. And I mean, today, I, I mean, sadly, racism obviously still still exists, and that is terrible and sucks. But uh, it's at least in most places much less open than it once was and it's just yeah. kind of interesting seeing it in this 1970s perspective where there was a much more um, focal divide yes and I, I I completely agree with that so I think with that being said we're gonna kind of wrap up this this part of the uh, discussion because I think we're we're starting to veer into the F is for family mm -hmm. uh, dynamic so what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will discuss more of the characters and how they kind of fit together, because this um, this is a, a a unique take on uh, certain animations, like certain uh, when you compare it to other sitcoms, as far as. Um, you know, like this type of subject matter is concerned, they've got some key differences uh, as well as their key similarities. So we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. I know, very mysterious and confusing. Uh, in just a few minutes, we'll be right back. 
Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he was. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created F is for Family. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Holy sidetracking, guys! The train just came off the tracks! Derailers! Be sure to follow The Derailers on Twitter at The Derailers! And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube so you can catch the episode next week, folks! Same derailment time, same derailment channel! Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. And we're back. So I hope you enjoyed that little break. Got a chance to stretch your legs, grab a snack. Oh my god, I love snacks. Oh, snacks are the best. Mm. Miles, what kind of snacks do you like other than Frito Pie? Uh, you know, this is going to sound super like hipster and douchey, and I don't mean it that way, but I've recently discovered hummus, and I really like it. Oh my god, hummus, hummus is the is best. Hummus is good stuff. It's so good, yeah. Uh, we, we, use, we like the... Uh, the ones with like different things, like the garlic ones, the roasted red I'm, pepper stuff. I'm a big fan of the spicier ones with like the multiple pep, uh, pepper flavors. A lot of the times, Ooh, garlic's nice. good too, though. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the garlic. Yeah. So, again, we're we're going to be discussing uh, F is for family, the different characters that we see. Um, the first thing I want to discuss, I want to discuss uh, real quick, who your favorite character is. Um, Ashes, how about you? What's your, who's your favorite character? Um, Maureen. Maureen is my oh. favorite character. I think that her character has a lot of potential. I plan to see more of her character in season three. Yes. And I don't know. I guess I can kind of identify 
with her character a little bit, and I'm sure we'll kind of go into a little bit of her character trope, yeah. um, you know, in a few minutes. But yeah, I'd have to say Maureen. All right, Miles, how about you? I'm going to cheat like I always do. I'm going with a tie. We we talked about one of them earlier. Uh, Sam Rockwell plays Vic, who is the next door neighbor. Uh, just hilarious. Just everything that comes out of the man's mouth is absolutely hilarious. I You can really uh, appreciate the energy that uh, Sam Rockwell brings to the character, who's one of my favorite actors to begin with. So uh, that might be biased as well. But the other one is another actor who I really admire, and that's Justin Long and his uh, version of Kevin Murphy. Uh, my God, the everything that that kid, like every reaction he has or he uh, – says the word dick is just absolutely incredible yeah. Dick. <laughs> i i do in i do enjoy him and uh i was gonna go with with vic myself but uh you know maybe i'll i'll, I'll say frank frank is um he's very much uh as we've talked about he's very much the stereotypical dad figure he's a douche in these types of of uh of shows and not just the animated shows. Um, he's very, to me, uh, Archie Bunker. Yes. Sure. Very much. Um, but he has a lot of Ralph Cramden in him as well. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I think uh, not necessarily on a personal level, but just the energy and obviously the voice. But he has a lot of Bill Burr in him. And Bill Burr is one of the greatest stand-up comedians Ever. So uh, obviously Frank is going to steal the show and a lot of times in terms of the, the lines he gets, the jokes he gets. I mean his catchphrase, I'm going to put you through that fucking wall, is something that I love to say in my everyday life as much as possible. Yeah, and I was, I was actually going to uh, bring that up because I was going to say if you've ever seen Bill Burr's stand-up, this is very much reminiscent of that, the way he plays this character who – Again, if I recall correctly, is supposed to be his dad. So it correct. It makes sense that this is how he would play the character very much because, you know, you get a lot of your personality from your parents and you know That's while, terrifying, but probably <laughs> accurate. While this may be a caricature of how his dad was, like well, it might be a caricature yeah. of his dad, but it could have been how at one point he viewed his father. Especially at a young age. Oh, you know, yeah. At a young age, you view your parents as caricatures of themselves. Yes. Like, I heard, you know, not not that my parents threatened to, you know, put me through a wall, but <laughs> my mother was infamous for saying, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next Tuesday. And of course, me, with my smart mouth, I'd be like, well, it's Monday, so do you mean tomorrow Tuesday or next <laughs> Tuesday? Um, yeah, that went over How, really what, well. what should I brace for here? Is like a, a day's worth of slap or like an eight days worth of slapping? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, when you... So I, I can see why Frank would be your favorite, and he plays it... The character of Frank so passionately, um, you know, we all view at one point our, our, our parents as caricatures of what they actually are. Yeah. Because we're only seeing one version of them. I mean, and you can you can definitely. Because it's not until you get older that you're like, holy shit, my parents are people. And we see this in one of the Big episodes time. where, you know, uh, Kevin, Justin Long's character, is giving Frank a bunch of shit. 
He's like, you're just a baggage handler. Like, you know, you're nobody. What'd you call me? Yeah. So he brings him and he's like, oh, I'm taking you. I'm going to sign you up for Vietnam. And like, he's giving him all these fucking like filling his head with all these. He goes, if you see a kid, a six-year-old kid running away from you, he's about to report you and your friends. He's giving away your location. You got to pop him right in the back of the skull. You know, <laughs> it's war. It's okay. Everything's fine. You know, oh and my God. Yeah. Kevin's losing his mind. He's crazy. I don't want to go to Vietnam. He's like, relax, you fucking idiot. They don't take 15 year old flunkies. They take 18 year old <laughs> flunkies. So he brings them to the airport and like really shows him like this is what real life is about. And, you know, Kevin sees how his dad basically puts food on the table like what he has to endure you know and you got the the woman screaming at him because she can't find her pills because the two fucking baggage handler guys opened up her bag and started taking her pills right which ended up being idiots. like estrogen fucking supplement <laughs> It's like, oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, are your breasts tender too? Like <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and I think overall we shot we just touched collectively on a big strength of this show and the, every character that we've talked about so far I'm, I'm fond of. I want to know more about. And I think that's what they do a really good job of is Frank is the titular character and he's arguably the most interesting. But at the same time, every family member, every coworker, every neighbor, you want to know more about each and every one of these people because they're presented as real people with real backstories and they live in this real time period and all of that combines to create this really interesting show that in a lot of ways reminds me more of the Wonder Years than it does the Simpsons, but at the same time I like both of those shows, so it's a really fun combination. Yeah, that's a, a really good comparison. Um You know, and you know, I think you get to see the uh the way the characters are played that they're being played as I don't want to say caricatures of other stereotypical characters that we'd see in these types of um like these types of shows you know it's like a um like sue is kind of like a uh, i don't even want to compare her to peg bundy because she's not like sarcastic but she's like if june cleaver had gotten into the wine more often like not even though the way you know Certain things she says and does, like where she's actually standing up for herself and like, listen, this is not what the fuck is going to happen. Almost like a, I'm trying to think of a an analog tour that. I can't think of who I would compare Sue to, to be honest, but I think Sue is one of the most interesting characters on the show. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that the whole season uh, two dynamic occurs and really puts her into a bigger spotlight where she's the breadwinner of the family. She's being put into all of these new both struggles and successes. And honestly, out of everything that we see at the finale of season two, even with a guy exploding on a runway, I think the thing I'm most intrigued about is to see what Sue is going to do in her bounce back for redemption because she just got the 
salad tosser, one of the greatest inventions, especially by name, uh, ever. But she just got this ripped out of her hands by some ruthless old lady who is, you know, now supposedly she's going to go to work for. We'll see about that. But uh, I, I just I love Sue's dynamic. And she's a woman very much caught in between two worlds of, you know, of your example, June Cleaver, where there was an expectation of how women should be. But also in an age where, you know, this was post the 60s, where the, you know, hippie revolution has started and uh, equal rights in both, you know, uh, across the board, but also a wave of feminism has definitely begun. And I think that there's a spark of that in Sue. And she, as a character, it has a very interesting balance between those two roles that she plays. Right. She's searching for a purpose. And she realizes that being a housewife is not her sole purpose in this world. And she's trying to figure out what else can I do while right. trying to still, you know, maintain her household and you know not wanting but by to... choice not like she's being held right, there against right. her but will the it's time, a power choice not wanting to emasculate her husband right because he was you know he's clearly brought up in the you know i had to go out to war i'm a man i joined the military now i have to provide for my family my wife should be at home you know cooking my dinner and, you know, that's that's just the way things are. Well, you get this great flashback sequence and the finale of season two, where I think it's from Sue's perspective. And she's remembering some of these terrible things that Frank has said to her things like, honey, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you're home by 3 p.m. so you can start my dinner. Or, you know, other things like that that he says that are very clearly insensitive, but then also going through the times that she, by choice, to protect his clearly fragile ego, would do things like slip cash into his wallet at a restaurant so that he, he could pay the bill. Yeah. Right. yeah, we actually just watched that episode last night. Well, if you, and you, if you think about, like, who was on... TV, like who were the the matriarchs on TV in the early seventies and mid seventies? You know, it was you know the Partridge Family, the it was Brady, the Brady, <laughs> you know, and the the closest you got, uh, you know, to to Sue's character. Honestly, um, I'm thinking the Jeffersons, Wheezy on the not Wheezy, oh, what's her name on the Jeffersons? Why am I? Um, oh, she was also on two two seven. Not Jack A. Harris. Mm. Um, it's going to bug me. I have to look it up. But <laughs> it's um, oh, not his but wife. She doesn't, she doesn't so much fall into... Marla Gibbs. Florence Johnson. I was going to call her Florence Henderson, but that's the Brady's. That was, that was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marla Gibbs. Because uh, she, she was so fucking sassy and she was so... She was such a great character... Like, the closest you came was, like, a lamer version of that on the Bradys with Alice. You know, she was but a little sassy and sarcastic. Alice wasn't the matriarch of the family. Right. Sue is. And where there really isn't a character, you know, timeline-wise that can relate to Sue, I bet there are a lot of women out there who can mm -hmm. relate to Sue, who lived through that, who went, you know, through you know, the motions of, of, you know, similar to what she's doing, you know, wanting to find fulfillment outside of the home, which even in the early 70s was kind of taboo. You know, um, yes, we had the uh, feminism movement of the 60s, but that was still going on in the 70s. Yeah. And most of the jobs, sure. like what she's doing is selling Tupperware. 
Right. But, but, you know, but still it's, uh, it's, I'm trying to think of like exactly how I want to say this. Uh, it's something. Right. You know, even though it's something comfortable, it's something that she knows. I mean, she's not one of the girls in the steno pool, you know, but, Mm. but it's, it's something, it's a risk for her. It's I can't like, believe you did this to me after I complimented your rack. <laughs> <laughs> and it's getting her out into that kind of environment. That environment where, you know, she's working with these misogynist males and having to put up with that. Right. And then we see a little bit of that behind the scenes when she's working with uh, the other woman there to, you know, kind of push her her uh, her invention. You know, so we see the the uh, you know the dynamic. It's like oh, yeah, Vivian, yeah, like you Those have to voice play... by the great Mo Collins, yes, who follows me on Twitter. Oh well, congratulations! What? Yep. That's cool. Uh, You're basically famous. I know, right? <laughs> um, but no, it's it's like um, she's like, yeah, you have to play the game this way and kind of give it back to them. It's almost like building this false sense of security in them thinking that they like oh we have you have to make them think that they have the upper hand right right. but you know trust me it's a game that i've played um Mm -hmm. you know making people think that they have the upper hand when in actuality you are completely and fully aware of everything that is going on you are manipulating them sue is so green into all of this Right. She doesn't have to do that usually in her day-to-day life, and it's a foreign thing to her. But it's that whole concept of don't present your idea to your boss. Get your boss to think that your idea was his idea or her idea. Right. Oh, see how I saved that in the PC world right there at the last second? (laughs) I will say, though, um, watching the show the first time and even now watching it again, I am 100% positive – I don't have confirmation of this, but that Sam Rockwell is playing Vic like the adult version of Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. Oh, no, it is. Like 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I I could see that. I was going to go to that game, but my iguana got into my booger sugar. Now he thinks he's a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? Oh my god, speaking of cocaine, I love all the interactions with Vic and Frank where he's like hinting that like he's like inviting Frank to a party. He's like forecast calls for snow. And Frank's like, "Really? I didn't see that. It looked like it was going to be sunny all weekend." Don't you hate when you misplace everything in your money drawer? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like reaching, he's like, "Oh, when he asked him for the uh, the tickets for Shire of Frodo, and he's like digging through the the desk and he's just pulling out Kilo after kilo of cocaine and like stack upon stack of cash. Stacks on stacks. I will say this, though. Uh, One of the things that I I, and I actually uh, sent Mike Price a message on Twitter about this uh, without spoiling anything, because I really feel like when you watch Bill uh, Bob Murphy's day off the first time. It really gives you a sense of the commitment the animators have to really getting you into the scene and really understanding what what Bobby's looking at and 
put you in his position and make you as uncomfortable as he is at that point. Mm. Would you say he's having a ball? Uh, <laughs> uh, I would probably say it twice. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, that that is a very uncomfortable scene, but done in a just really brilliantly funny way because you do you feel the squirm, and then the best part I don't know uh, in why my I mind keep calling him Bobby. It's Bill. It's we I keep knew it. Calling you him Bobby. It's cool. Uh, I love the later at the dinner table when Bill is sitting there and his dad Frank is saying like, "Oh, I worked up such an appetite from some ac- activity I did earlier," and Bill just straight up throws up all over the table. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking so Christ! Yeah, uh, and that again, it's all the like little side support that is really, really well done. I know. Uh, the ashes had mentioned Maureen and I mean, we barely have talked about Maureen at all, but uh, that little weirdo is just brilliant in so many ways. You can't be Mr. Coconut. There are no girl astronauts. (laughs) And yeah, how, how like, what type of deal is she going to have to have with her therapist for all the help she's going to need as an adult after stuff like that? But uh, something I wanted to to bring up is uh, Mike Price, who we've mentioned a couple times now, but he actually tweeted out a little teaser for season three of F is for Family mm-hmm. coming out 30th of November, of course. But uh, he said that there were some clues hidden for some plot points throughout the throughout the image that he tweeted. It's the one where Frank's holding up a crowbar. Uh, he's got a wife beater tan line on, or it's not actually a, a wife beater on, but it's just like a tan line from wearing one. Uh, but the only thing that I really see that stands out is C, uh, or I'm sorry, that I see is Sue is noticeably, um, maybe she just had a, she had just eaten a big meal, but she seemed like she might be a little bit uh, larger in the midsection than normal. And then she's holding what I would describe as like a Swiss army knife of kitchen utensils and what i was trying to come up with and i I barely have had time to think about this so i don't have any but uh like what would be like the equivalent of like the salad tosser name for this utility knife of kitchen utensils Ooh, i don't know i have yeah it's a tough it's a tough one i was just saying but uh either way uh that at least shows a couple of our plot points that we have to look forward to moving forward well i don't know if you uh he also tweeted out a little clip of uh, Frank with his good friend who is a uh, an Air Force pilot. Yeah, with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Vince Vaughn. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good little clip. I'm very excited for this. This is coming out in, it'll be two weeks from, uh, by the time this airs, it'll be two weeks from tomorrow when this airs. I feel like the only thing that I can think of that could be a potential companion to the salad tosser is the pork screw. Ooh. Ooh, nice. That's really good. That's better than anything I've come up with so far. Well done. It would be a very... The pork screw kitchen utility. Definitely uh, something (laughs) specific to ham would be my (laughs) guess. So, yeah, let's talk... The multi-fork, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, the secondary characters who actually drive the plot because this isn't uh, like I was saying earlier. This isn't your normal like um, it's not it's a uh, a continuous story. It's like yeah, the, each episode has its own plot, 
But there's a continual story going on in the background, which you don't see from a lot of animated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like The Simpsons. The Simpsons, it's it's wrapped up at the end of every episode. And there's, you know, like you guys famously say on your show all the time, there's a reset. And next week, I mean, they may reference something years down the road. But, you know, it's not like, you know... It's like Homer's the mayor, and then in the next episode, Homer's still the mayor. You know, at the yeah. No, no the- one wonders why. Though I'm sorry, I'm still gonna just be a little bit hung up on the fact that you said famously in reference to our podcast. So, like, I'm just, you know, that's because you guys happy. are famous. I mean, <laughs> no, you, you mentioned. Uh, um, I just totally lost my train of thought because you're famous, and I got a little <laughs> But yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the the background characters because they help drive this show and you know Ash as you mentioned Maureen and Maureen but she, is but not she's only, not really a background I, I know character. but she helps drive the show um, because I think anyone who isn't Frank honestly is almost like to some I'll, degree a tier of background character because okay, he's I'll give you that yeah. So, like, I would say it's, like, Frank and then, like, probably Sue would be a very close B and then, like, the kids are probably, like, C-level. Well, I, I would say um, – what I was going to say is Maureen is probably um, higher up on that list because, A, she's the youngest and being the oldest of three, I know how that works. But she's also the only girl. So it's like, you know – Frank has to go to work and you know uh, uh, Sue has to go do her deliveries. So Bill's in charge and he said, you know, he says, he goes, if anything goes wrong, right, I want you to call me at work and I will come home and put you right through that fucking wall. <laughs> like, no matter what she does, it's OK. But Bill better not let her get in trouble. Well- so Frank affectionately calls her princess and she's such a tomboy. Like you said, for Halloween, she wants to be Mr. Coconut. She wants to there were be no girl vampires. She, she, yeah. She wants to be, you know, she's like, I'm a vampire and she's wearing a astronaut Jesus helmet Hitler. in space. And Frank's like, there are no girl astronauts yeah, she wanted or to vampires. Be Hitler Jesus. And then she, yeah, well then she wanted to be Hitler Jesus, but that's another story. Um, but anyways, you know, he decides to finally let her be Mr. Coconut, but she is very much the tomboy. She has two brothers. Her friends are boys. She gets along better with boys than she does with the other girls her her parents force her to be in what the like the honey scouts honeybees honeybees yeah yes. you know kind of like their their version the, of the girl bra- scouts yeah, the brownies or you the know thunder girls and she's just kind of rebellious towards anything feminism that's just you know anything feminine that's not her well, gonna... but her dad is trying to kind of get her to fit into that cute little princess box because you know she is the only girl and sue who's trying sue who's coming into her own you know leaving the home going into work um wants maureen to be whatever she wants to be and doesn't want to hold her back and maureen is very much interested in like math and science and computers and she wants to join computer club and you know they they want her to join other clubs instead well i think it's um it kind of shows a generational shift from frank's generation to her generation like it's not a huge gap you know frank's what 35 
Uh, 40, later. maybe? 40. Well, yeah, I'd say 40. You know, so he, you know, because Kevin's what? 15? 15, yeah. So 15. he's probably 20, he was probably 23, 24 when, uh, when he had the kid, because that's about that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not, in a span of, say, 25 years, you see this huge shift in, you know, the, the dynamic, the, the family dynamic. You know, and, you know, a woman's role in the family mm-hmm. and, you know, where she's, you know, just kind of growing up into it. She sees all these women on TV rebelling. You know, she sees people like Janis Joplin, you know, Gloria Steinem. <clears throat> yeah. So and, and she doesn't and probably, you know, from her perspective, growing up with older brothers, she sees no difference between the two of them. So it's like, well, if they can do it, why can't I? Yeah, well, yeah, and she's still so young at this point too that yeah, it's very much your kids that age are just going to do what the other kids are of that age do. There isn't, you know, there's not any restrictive uh, things put on a child. They're not going to only like pink or only like blue. That's right, a bunch of stuff that we rights. do. Right, right. We do that as a society. That's not like the way it is. So it makes total sense that she's running around in the woods with her slightly older brother and all of her slightly older brother's friends and, uh, you know, Jimmy Fitzsimmons, who is another character who is brilliantly hilarious and such a tool, but really, really funny. Uh, their younger siblings are out there. It's it's just why wouldn't she just be a tomboy in that environment? It makes total sense. Yeah, and, you know, she's not looking at it as – Okay, this is what I have to like. This is what you know I'm supposed to like. She's like, this is what. No, she wants to play with her brother and her friend, so this is what I do. And, and she's yeah. that's not because she's a girl; it's because she's the youngest, and that's what younger kids do. I'm gonna play baseball with uh, a slightly curved pipe and some light bulbs. Right, and she's an instigator too. She is oh, the yes. one who instigates towards Bill. May I all go get my coloring the book? Time. And then Bill is the one who gets in trouble. Yeah, that's the dynamic between the And it's the like the only time the... that he really gets any attention paid to him is if he's doing something wrong. Yeah. Or yeah. or it appears that he's doing something wrong, like setting the forest on fire. Yeah, blowing up. Since we've been talking about all the uh, the weird, like, yeah, gender role stuff, I just want to say I just for the first time saw an interview with Haley Reinhardt, who is the woman who voices Bill Murphy. And it's insanely weird to me that such a beautiful woman voices like a little kid that just watched his parents have sex. It's (laughs) it's a weird, weird disconnect that you have to make while watching the show. But uh, yeah, it's. She's very, very talented, and she's also quite attractive. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot that you see with that uh, now, and I think The Simpsons really kind of helped break that uh, break that mold. Because I mean, who's Bart Simpson? Bart Simpson is Nancy Cartwright and has been for thirty years. Mm-hmm. One know? of my all time, just yeah, like Bart Simpson. I've talked about. I start to glow anytime I start talking about this. But like, yeah, I remember when I learned that for the first time, and it just absolutely blew my mind when it was like, wait, Bart's voiced by like a middle aged woman. What? This is this is you know, it, it literally blew my mind. And what's incredible to me is there's videos online. One that came out not too long ago, actually, where. 
she actually met a fan and it took a good probably minute before the kid realized she kept kind of like hinting that you know she was Bart Simpson without saying it and when he made the connection it was like you could see his brain melt Mm -hmm. and that it makes total sense to me because I remember that happening to my brain Uh, but yeah just a Another great example, we were talking about just kind of animated families earlier, but just like the wonderful thing about animation and voice acting is you can really, you know, you can do a lot of things that you couldn't necessarily do. I don't think that Nancy Cartwright, as talented as she is, could have landed a role as a 10-year-old boy on screen if she had to do it live action. But being able to get behind a microphone and really express those talents, uh, it's same with, you know, um, same with Haley Reinhardt doing Bill and anyone else who does voice acting. You really have this whole other spectrum that you can play with that other act- actors uh, don't have the luxury of being able to to do. Yeah, and that's I, I agree with that uh, completely because, you know, no matter how good your makeup is, you know, in very few cases, a 35-year-old woman is not going to, you know, be confused with a 10-year-old boy. It's just... Well, she just turned 60 too. Like that's, uh, you I'm know, talking about, that, like, the beginning of the right. No, but I'm saying like, as the character, age, like your point is absolutely valid, but as the character ages, it even furthers the point of like, you know, if she could do it at 30, she probably can't do it at 45 or 60. Yeah. And, uh, honestly, I think that's foresight and planning because if you have an idea that your show is going to be around for a while and you want to keep these characters the same age, Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to have someone who can maintain that consistency. And, you know, you're not going to get a 10-year-old boy to voice a 10-year-old boy because after right. a year... Right, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, who else to voice a prepubescent boy than a female, a woman? It's smart. <laughs> because, well, no, it is. You know, because we our, our voices aren't going to change for the most part. They're typically not super deep. No, no. And and it helps keep up with that consistency. Right. um, I think Bill is a great character. He's definitely kind of like the stereotypical middle child who suffers from middle child syndrome. Um, He does do a lot of things to try to get attention. Granted, it usually ends up being negative attention. Well, it's because his, you know, his family view him as this delicate flower who well and not only that you know with maureen being the baby and the princess and they really have their hands full with kevin because of and there's also a big disconnect between kevin and bill age-wise compared to bill and maureen it's kind of got that thing where you know kevin is he's doing teenage things and finding his childish siblings to be annoying whereas bill and maureen are still going to be of age appropriate to have similar interests Right, right. And even though there's probably, what, like a three or four year age gap between Bill and Kevin, they're at that age. Well, Kevin's at that age where it's it's a huge difference. And they have to share right. the, a room, which is difficult even in, you know, a, a, a close age uh, gap. Like my brother and I, he's only two years younger than I am. But when you're 16 and this other kid's 14, like that's... It's a tough thing. When you want to play patty cake with yourself, it gets a little awkward. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, and other people don't quite understand that, but that's fine. Um, some of the other, because uh, I know we're getting 
kind of tight on time. Um, some of the other characters I want to touch on, uh, you know, these are, are uh, veterans of the voice acting world. Um, Kevin Michael Richardson as uh, Rosie. Rosie, yeah. Uh, he does a great job, and he really propels, like, the main plot of the story, you know, which is Frank and his job and, you know, going through everything that he goes through at Mohican Airlines because, you know, he gets promoted from, you know, everyday Joe to management, and then there's that disconnect when you're no longer in the union, but you still have friends in the union, but now you can't be friends anymore. So there's that really interesting dynamic there. Plus, you know, as we touched on earlier, the whole racial thing, you know, where Rosie's black and Frank is white, you know, there's this huge culture shock that Frank has anytime he's around Rosie and like you mentioned, Miles, in the in the bar. Right. So You know, I'll uh I'll go ahead and take opportunity to cheap plug my podcast real quick by saying that uh we are lucky enough to once again recently have Michael Price on our show, the Best Darn Did the Review Show. Now, this won't actually his interview won't actually air for a while now. It'll be out on November second, but he hinted when he was discussing the show with us that we're actually gonna get to see a little bit more of Rosie's character this season, which I'm really excited about. And uh, Bill Burr's real life wife is going to be playing his wife in the show. Interesting. And we'll, you know, we actually have uh, Mr. Price joining us next week. Yeah, so. I wasn't wanting to drop that just in case uh, it was a secret. But yeah, I'm really excited to hear you guys discuss uh, uh, discuss with Michael Price about F is for Family because our show dynamic is so different. Uh, you know, he he goes through the Simpsons episodes with us, and we do talk about F is for Family. But I think our podcasting style is so different that it is interesting to get the uh, the conversation from both perspectives. Yeah, and um, you know, so. You- the episode we have with him, uh, that'll be next week, so that'll air on uh, the 22nd, and then 10 days later, the ep- your episode with him airs. So in between our episode and yours... His show, the show comes drops. out on November 30th, so you've got a lot of watching to do. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say uh, he joined us for the Simpsons episode Radioactive Man, which is already an all-time classic episode, and then to have a Simpsons writer share his perspective on that episode was incredible. But yes, please listen to Michael Price on Throwdown Thursday on November 22nd. Let that boil the juices of anticipation as you prepare to watch all 10 brand new episodes of season three of f is for family on the 30th and then after you've let the new season simmer for a couple of days come and hear michael price's thoughts on the new season and on an episode of the simpsons radioactive man on my show the best on diddly review show and that's going to be on december 2nd wow you are busy get on it yeah, it's you gotta. We got that was impressive. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just like taking it all in. Like you're like a professional, dude. That like, was that long was take. impressive. Yeah, and that's that, why that you're was, famous. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're I appreciate that. Thank you. No, I uh, I dude, I'm so happy to be here to talk with you guys. This is just fun. I just like talking about cartoons with my friends. Yeah, we love having you on. Um, you know, we have to do it more. You know, and it's funny. Like we don't line it up this way but like every time we have you on it's either simpsons or tangentially you know uh related to the simpsons 
because you know we had Richie on for the disenchantment episode, and that's Matt Groening. And then you know we have you on, and you know there's the Michael Price connection between the two shows. You know some of the voice actors between you know Kevin and Michael Richardson, uh, Phil Lamar, who did a couple of episodes, was also on Futurama. You know, and then you got uh, John DiMaggio, who was Bender, which is also ama- so. There's a lot of it's like one degree of separation. It's like friends hire friends to do friends stuff. Yes, yeah, basically. That was beautifully simple, but also as poignant as we're going to reach tonight, I believe. That might be that might have to be our episode title. <laughs> friend stuff. <laughs> F is for friends. F is for friend stuff. F is for friends. Oh, F is for friend stuff. Yeah, that's all all great. Uh, so um Miles, tell people cuz we're going to we're going to kind of switch things up a little bit cuz we went a little long, so we're not going to do our normal, you know, second break. We're just going to go through the the break. Oh no, you've got more important people than me to talk to. Someone who is actually famous. I totally get it. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, uh Wolfie, we're in, uh, when we're done, we're just going to end the show. But um Miles, tell tell folks where they can find your uh, your fine show. Sure. Uh my co-host and I, Richie the Wiz Kid, do a weekly podcast, the best darn diddly review show, each and every Sunday. It's available pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at Best Darn Diddly. That's D-I-D-D-L-Y. That's bestdarndiddly.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow the show at Best Darn Diddly or me personally at Mr. Most Days Off. And I love to talk about not only The Simpsons, but F is for Family. Uh, we talk a lot about wrestling and other various shows and just whatever you've got going on. So hit me up there on Twitter and Instagram. And other than that, just uh, check out The Simpsons Show. If you've ever been a fan of The Simpsons, uh, it's something that I think that you'll enjoy because it's just my co-host and I who grew up watching the show, reminiscing over each and every episode in chronological order. And sometimes we get some really cool people like Patsy the Angry Nerd from the Throwdown Thursday podcast or Michael Price, the creator of F is for Family and current Simpsons writer, to join us in conversation and break down something that I think is near and dear to a lot of our hearts. What if folks are really, really into your show and want to pay you to promote the show? Is there a way that they could do that? Holy shit, I'm so glad you asked. Yes, there is. It's patreon.com slash diddly. And if you make a lot of money and have some extra... I make very little and don't know what that's like. So I'd really appreciate it if like you would embrace that and just give me some of yours and then I'll keep making entertaining shows as long as I possibly can until, you know, the sweet sweet sleep of death comes. I also find <laughs> that uh I get cold sometimes and you know, my my upper body needs to uh to be warm is there a way to uh remedy that while also representing best darn diddly patsy i i feel like i need you to just do this full time for my stuff because you're way better at it than i am but yes absolutely if you want some uh best darn diddly merchandise like t-shirts or hoodies if you're cold like patsy you can get all that at tpublic.com slash best darn diddly Yes, and you have uh, 
if you're if you're of the uh, voting type, you can get <laughs> a Mister Most Days Off for President shirt. <laughs> you uh, bet you can. Hey, you could and have picked worse, America. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Most Days Off 2020. Come on. Yeah, I'm right. Might as well. What what could go wrong? Um, so I just got um an update that things are running a little later for our guests for our second show. So uh we actually have a little more time than we thought. Okay, cool. So we can chat with Miles a little bit longer. Oh, hey. Uh, if that's okay with you, Miles. I would love to chat with you a little bit longer since, you know, someone's running a little bit behind. I'm glad to fill up that extra slot. Yeah, so, um, you know, you've been doing your Simpsons podcast. You recently uh, had your 100th episode. And um, I, I just want to say it's a source of pride for me that, you know, I always knew that if I went on your show, it was going to end up being a two-parter because I can't shut up about The Simpsons. <laughs> and so I was at first, I was like, oh, what episode am I on? Episode 98? I'm like, no, nah, motherfucker, it's going to be 98 and 99 because there's no way in hell that I can wrap up in one episode. Yeah, you, you kind of fucked up my production schedule, to be honest, but I was completely fine with it because it was such a good time both discussing the Stonecutters, and, of course, singing the song with oh, you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, when you asked me which episode I wanted to be on, I specifically chose Homer the Great so we could all sing the Stonecutters song. Like, there were so many good episodes in that season. So our season six finale spectacular is actually going to come out this very week after your – basically after this episode airs – uh, it's going to be coming out the following Sunday where we rank our favorite and least favorite episodes of the season and just kind of talk generally about our season reflections in general. And that was essentially my biggest takeaway from the season is, holy shit, every episode is incredible right now. Like it's there, there's it's very difficult to find an episode that wouldn't make somebody somebody's top 10 list. Right. Yeah, it's it's hard. You're you're going to be hard pressed to pick a top 10 just from this season without it seeping into your all-time top 10. Because, I mean, who shot Mr. Burns? Like, that's a great episode. That's the one that just aired, uh, part one just aired uh, a few yeah, days Yeah, and we're going to make you suckers wait to find out who did it. So uh, you're going to have to listen to the spectacular. And then the following week, we'll finally, after all these decades reveal who actually shot mr burns yeah if you don't know who shot mr burns i suggest waiting until 1994 and then you'll find out (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it wasn't 90 it was like what 96 it was 95 Uh, well yeah Ah, it was basically the summer of 95 getting ready to turn 96 i remember all the uh all the things and um i'm a bad friend i haven't had a chance to listen to the show yet but, oh, that's cool. Um, it like just came out. It's fine. Did you mention like all the how all the 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 media outlets? I mean, this is before there were you know numerous YouTube channels dedicated to like let me break down everything a quarter of a frame per second and go over any possible detail that someone might have missed. Um, did you talk about any of that stuff? Because I think uh, uh, that's some interesting you know, things. 
we'll hit more on that a little bit when we get to the part two of that episode. We actually start by discussing Springfield's Most Wanted, which is a like parody of America's Most Wanted that they did, but like with the actual like I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but it was like the guy uh, who did like the top ten every week of all these criminals, and they actually did like a breakdown of the first part of Who Shot Mr. Burns. And uh, it was really interesting just to see. I, I don't think that's something that happens in today's world. I may, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just out of t- touch or whatever. But uh, maybe it's I haven't had cable in so long. But I just uh, feel like it, you don't really see those types of specials where other people from other shows on the same network kind of came together to create this fictional uh, murder mystery half hour that came on right before the conclusion part two of Who Shot Mr. Burns. I believe it was America's Most Wanted, and if that's right, I want to say Walsh, somebody Walsh. Yes, it was Walsh. Uh, Walsh is the right, the right last name, and yeah, it was a parody of America's Most Wa- uh, Wanted, just with Springfield. I feel like I remember watching that. It's actually available in its entirety on YouTube. I might have to to check that out before really uh, shit quality, but I mean you know watchable. Out. There you go. Well, again, it's twenty three years old, and they didn't exactly have high def uh, high def TVs and 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 whatnot at that point. Um, so yeah, you guys have been around. Uh, you've been doing this a little over two years now at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, uh, you were uh, there for episode 98, 99. And I didn't realize it till just now, but you actually now have a record because you actually were featured on three back-to-back episodes because oh, you, of right. course, are part of our 100th episode, which uh, was a really good time. We had a lot of people from our Somebody's Podcast Network come on and, and both sing and just share stories, things of that nature. Richie and I did some songs and some bits. I debated the president. That happened. Um, yep. A lot, a lot of things. But uh, yeah, you're actually, as far as I, I can think, off the top of my head, you are the only person to be on three consecutive best darn diddly review shows. Nice. Yeah, and we sang that song that uh, Ashes wrote at the end. The uh, tribute that's to right, Krusty. That was brilliant. You guys came in at the 11th hour, but we were able to get it in, and that was such a great addition to the show. Thank you again for doing that. Oh, thank you for uh, for playing it. But yeah, it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit because I'm already like 10 or 15 episodes past that now. I'd have to look and see exactly what episode we're on, but every time I see – I start taking notes for a new Best Darn Diddly Review show – it's like, wow, I'm already on this episode. Like, it's it's just goes so fast. I know we're going to be at episode 150 before you know it. Yeah, and that's, you know, at that point, it's almost three years. Because, I mean, we, this is episode 125 for our show. Right, and we're very, very close, I remember. Because uh, your guys, I think, had your 100th just moments before ours i think they literally came out on the same day that was that's the joke but yeah yeah they're they were very very close uh excellent so well let's see i just got a message let me do this uh yeah um so i think we covered it oh you also uh because you uh the way your show works i don't know if you mentioned this but you can get your audio on YouTube. 
Yes, yes. My show does also air on YouTube if that's easier for you. There's no actual video, so you're not going to actually see us talking. Uh, you're just going to have a static background, but the audio is available on YouTube. Awesome. So I think with uh, with that being said, I just got an update, so I know uh, what our next our next uh, guest availability is. So I think with uh, with that being said, uh, Miles, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Oh, thank, thank you, you for having me. This is such a blast. I'll be happy to come back and talk to you guys about basically anything, anytime, for as long as you'll have me. Oh, we'll oh, yeah. hold you to it. We will definitely have <laughs> you back. Uh, I think, uh, you know, solo or you know, with with. Uh, with Richie, either way. Um, I mean, because we do have some more Simpsons characters that we need to discuss. Oh, yes, yes absolutely. But we well, and I know have... we also love uh, horror movies and cheesy sci-fi movies, and I'd be yes. uh, happy to talk about any of those as well. But, of course, always The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, there's so much that we have to cover so far. So, What about the film works of John Cena? Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm more of a rock guy, but I, I talk about Cena. I enjoyed a well, couple of the movies he's had recently. Rock doesn't count anymore. He doesn't count. What do you no, mean he, he doesn't count? Because he doesn't wrestle anymore. Well, well, I mean, just Brock Lesnar, but they still keep giving him a freaking championship. Uh, that's no, I true. No, I, I think didn't. Rock and Brock worked the same number of dates last year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But uh, th- again, thank you for joining us. We will definitely have you on. Um, we will have to announce our battle results next week when we introduce the new battle because we uh, we simply don't have the the time this week. So oh, you're gonna gosh, have to wait. It. But uh, that means you have more time to vote. Ooh. That's true. So I think with that being said, we're gonna wrap things up, and we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday. <laughs>